Welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. And me, Anya Adams. We're continuing to talk to Black Women Plus, striving and thriving in the entertainment industry. We are so freaking excited for our incredibly accomplished and inspiring guest today, Susan Lewis. Susan is the SVP and Head of Drama Development for ABC Signature, which is a part of Disney Television Studios. She was formerly the SVP of Original Programming at STARS, where she oversaw series including BBC's co-production, The Dublin Murders, Rebecca Cutter and Jerry Berkheimer's High Town, and the acclaimed playwright Katori Hall's Pea Valley. And prior to that, she was a producer for Alicia Keys' production company, AK Worldwide. She worked on projects including Viceland's Hustle and feature films like The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete and Pariah. And she was the VP of Development at MTV Films, where she acquired the manuscript for Stephanie Meyer's young adult novel, Twilight and oversaw the initial development of that franchise. And and wait till you hear this woman's like trajectory into Hollywood too, because it's amazing. So we are so, so excited to have you on Sister Brunch, yes. Susan. <laughs> Speaking of your trajectory, tell us what has been your path to get to this amazing position you're in today. So I started, like most kids do, um, thinking that movies were documentaries. I didn't realize that it was you know, E.T. wasn't a documentary about an alien that crash landed and really genuinely loved movies as a kid and loved pop culture and was reading, you know, Teen Beat, <laughs> Tiger Beat, all these magazines as a kid and and Rolling Stone and enjoyed like was a f- obsessive music fan and obsessive movie fan. And the only thing I ever wanted to do was like history learn stories about people and do English and and maybe some English classes. I wasn't really interested in anything else, which was reflected in my report cards. I went to college. I became a history major because, again, stories. And I also, while I was there, took one class where we, we studied the Vietnam War through pop culture, or at least that's what I remember doing because I somehow was able to write a paper about the portrayal through movies like Apocalypse Now and Platoon, which I think I watched because, and I loved because there were a lot of cute guys in it. Anyway, I wrote that paper and it was really entertaining, but I was also like, these movies are very informative too. I'm learning something from them and they all have a different perspective. When I graduated, I knew I only wanted to work in entertainment and it was either going to be in movies or music. And I didn't know anything besides being a director or an actor. But the only director I think I knew was Steven Spielberg. And I guess by then Oliver Stone and Spike Lee, because Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing came out. And I knew acting. And then I graduated, moved back home to New York, ended up getting a job at a clothing store, as one does with a college degree. And I had gone to Wisconsin. Uh, One of the women who worked in the sales with me was from Madison. Somebody said, oh, you gotta meet Wendy. I went, met Wendy. Turned out Wendy was working as an intern at the same time for a producer called Scott Rudy. Oh, I didn't oh. even know who that was. All I knew was when she told me what she did as an intern, she explained writing coverage, and that meant reading scripts. And I thought, I love reading. This is my way in. <laughs> I can read the scripts. And she explained to me what development was, and what being a producer was, and that was really the ticket. Now I understood what I could do. 
because pop culture was important. <laughs> Knowing actors was important. So Wendy and her roommate at the time became very close friends of mine. And this was all in New York. Wendy was then transferred to Los Angeles to work for Scott. She became an assistant. She moved to L.A. And I was still working at French Connection. And my parents were like, we didn't pay for you to go to college to do this. What are you going to do with your life? So I took the LSAT. I applied to law school. I got accepted. I was going to go. Not really, but it was a good story to tell my parents. <laughs> and it, at the time, made sense. So I applied to, got accepted into, and received a substantial scholarship to Howard. Oh, now I'm like, wow, that, that was a big deal. I was gonna go to Howard Law School and like be a lawyer and do sociology or social work. I was really gonna save the world. And what happened was I went to LA to visit Wendy and Hillary and decided, actually, I'll take a year before I go do that. Let me just take a year. Yeah. Find out who I want to be. I told my parents this. They were like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Anyway, I did it. And I moved to L.A., landed on their couch. First day we're there, we get some prank phone calls from some weird guys who were pretending that they went to a Duran Duran concert with Wendy. And because they have enough information, it actually sounds real because she had been at a Duran Duran concert with some people. And finally, you know, back in those days, I think you could star 69 people. We realized it was a friend of a friend of Wendy's, this guy Vinny. And he and his buddy Chris were just being, I don't know, they were, I don't know, they might have been under the influence. So (laughs) we figure out it's them. Those guys come over to the house. They meet me. Oh, Susan, what are you doing in Los Angeles? Well, I, I just moved here, and I want to work in film. And Chris, who's a producer, says, well, I'm producing a movie that Vinny's an actor in, and we need more PAs. Why don't you come to the office tomorrow, and maybe you know we can get you a job? And that is what happened. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with Hollywood development executive Susan Lewis. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon, and we are back with Susan Lewis. First of all, Susan, we have to say about your what's so amazing about your story is that you knew what you wanted to do. Like from from early on, you knew what you loved, and you just didn't know what it would look like. And but then you were so open to all of the signs. You got a full scholarship to Howard for law. But when someone said, "Will you be a PA on a film?" you were like, "Absolutely." That's huge. Unpaid, no money. No, I didn't even realize that part of it. They didn't pay me. Wait. <laughs> it was an indie. And what did you do in those early days to support yourself? <laughs> Retail, more retail? Eight ramen noodles? <laughs> yes. I mean, I lived on the couch of these, of Wendy and Hill. I lived on their futon. Wow. And I had saved some money, so I had a little bit of money. And then the, I did that job, and then I got another PA job for a, a little bit of money. While we were making the movie, 
Vinny was, you know, we were both looking for a place to live. I think Wendy had said to me, I think Vinny needs a roommate. You know, we had hit it off. We were friendly and, and, and we became roommates and we lived right up the street from Wendy and Hillary. And we had a very, very, very cheap apartment, but it was great, you know, and, and it was a time when you could live in Los Angeles. Like, I think our combined rent might have been like $650, you know, it was one bathroom, it was like a Jack and Jill or whatever, so there were two entrances, and <laughs> it was not, but but it was our, it was like a little home. And did and, you, at that time, Susan, did you, as you started to learn what development was and where you might be able to go in the industry, did you have a, uh, like a dream career in your head of this is still not then? This is part of the problem. <laughs> I've never had that. I just mm. kind of go where I can tell stories. That's what I've, like, I looking love back. I love it. And maybe to my detriment, because I can look at my colleagues who were more intentional mm. and who had the next job in mind when they took the first job. Right, right. I didn't do okay. that. And I, and, some, and I was thinking about that this morning. Like, where would I be if, if I had been a little bit more intentional about my choices? You know, I think I worked with Alicia for a long time. Looking back, I'm like, maybe I worked for her for too long. Mm. <laughs> and had I left that job earlier and came into TV, you know, in return to being an executive, where would I be now? But you can't, like, that's no yeah. way to live. So Plus you can't. made two amazing films there. So Pariah and Mr. and Pete are, if, if Mr. and Pete is one that a lot of people haven't seen, and you have to see this film, it is beautiful. It really is a beautiful story and just one of those, you know, underrated stories. So, yeah. so there's that. Like some executives work forever and end up with one credit of something that actually got put into the world, you know. It's fascinating because I feel like looking at just your career, the idea of an executive being hired for their storytelling, like, instincts and how important it is to have mm -hmm. diversity in execs because those stories they are instinctual they are what resonates with you and do you want to talk a little bit about twilight sure as we we started this podcast talking about how i had watched platoon because there were cute men in it <laughs> let's focus in on that for a moment i think i lead with my 13 year old girl's heart yes <laughs> so we had a book scout in new york when i was in la working at mtv at the time and it was MTV, like we, our whole purpose was to entertain young people. And it was when MTV actually was a thing <laughs> that people watched because it was pre-iPhone, pre-YouTube, pre-smart social media, all of that. So we had all their eyeballs, and which was so fun for me because I didn't want to make a beautiful mind. I wanted to make, you know, save the last dance. <laughs> so, so that's what we were, that was the muscle I was always working. My uh, colleague in New York, Mark James, a great book scout, had sourced this book. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it's a teen love story. It just happens to be like the love triangle is a, is a human and a vampire and a werewolf. And he has the information. This is going to be a big book, a well-known title, you know, all these kinds of things. So he sends it to me and I start reading it and I picture Johnny Depp in my head. He's the brooding you know, became Robert Pattinson character, right? Like, so when I'm reading it and I'm like, ooh, like who, who doesn't want to be Bella and have these choices, right? 
And I read it and I told, I, I called my boss and I was like, I read it. It's, you know, and I'm explaining it to this older dude. It's great and teen and love and vampires and werewolves. And he's just like, okay. But he trusts me. He trusts me. And so concurrently, another executive at the company received the manuscript from somebody else. We so were like, oh, we're both reading the same thing. We decide we're going to take it to Paramount, to this film studio. And uh, we take it to Karen Rosenfeld, who then becomes a producer on the movie when it is taken out of Paramount. Mm. She's the executive who optioned it for us. And I remember her saying, well, we don't want to spend a lot on the option because nobody... Right. I mean, no nobody knew it, it, yeah. it was what it was yeah. going to become. Also, like, but I feel I'll... like it started, it, it was like a resurgence of vampire. Like, the this was, like, made it yeah. sexy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. What, what was really interesting was when we started filling, you know, now we optioned it. Now we have to, hire, you know, have somebody come on and adapt it. And every writer responded to it. And mm. like from the horror mm. writers who to, you know, women who were more focused on the love triangle and the romantic element, we had multiple writers with great takes, which and I remember at that point I, that hadn't happened where it was like we could go this way, we could go this way, we could go this way. You know, we had and we ended up choosing this writer, Mark Lord, who adapted it. And by that point, I think I was in L.A. for the beginning. Then I ended up moving back to New York and we had the scripts, and by then the book had been published mm. and was a huge bestseller. Right. <laughs> and then she, there was a follow-up, and that was also a bestseller, and they weren't doing anything mm. with it at Paramount. Mm. And it was, you know, the number one book in the country for, how, you know, how many weeks on end. They were just sitting end. on it. Oof. And they were just sitting on it. And then I, eventually, I left to go to Alicia's, and eventually the decision was made at Paramount to put the property into turnaround. So they let it go. They let the, you know, the option had come up on, I, I, I would imagine, the underlying rights on the book. And they decided they weren't going to make it. They, the wow. male executive running the company mm-hmm. didn't, mm-hmm. even though, and it's like, that is math. If I invest this much money in this movie and all those people go see it and we have the marketing of MTV and all these things, you know. But I guess they decided it was too big of a risk, and Summit made it. Hi, it's Anya, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Did you know what this is? Were you asking, were you in your head like, what is this? I'm gonna tell you, it's Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and Fanchon Cox. Now back to our interview. Let's talk about the challenges or benefits of being a woman, being a black woman in your position. And, and also I think if you're comfortable talking about it, you also come from a white mom and a black dad. So mm-hmm. I'm curious if you feel like that has an influence on the things that you're drawn to. Challenges, benefits. So the challenge of being, I would just say a woman in mm-hmm. this industry sometimes, is that people don't listen yeah. to you. 
And the benefit is sometimes people don't listen to you and you can like sneak your ideas in and make them theirs. (laughs) Right. And then they don't know that they were listening Mm. to you, but they were and they took your idea. When you say people, do you mean men or do you mean men and women? You know, do I mean men and women? I think... Listen, I wouldn't be where I was if people hadn't listened to me. Mm. So I'm, I'm act right. Mm-hmm. People sure. clearly listened to me in some way. And if I'm really honest, it, the people who supported me and who gave me jobs were all white men. I've, I've heard that a lot. That's my job. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whether it was Chris Moore hiring me as a PA on the first, on, on cruise or glory days, to being hired... Uh, by a white man when I went to work as an assistant at John Peters, a white man taking me to Three Arts, mm-hmm. and then being hired by David Gale at MTV Films. Yeah, they did. They they did. There, there is the fact that me. there are a lot more of them in positions of power to be yes. able to hire you, right? So right. <laughs> there's that. Yeah, I never had a woman boss right. until I worked with Alicia. Yeah. So it's yeah, both of those things. Yeah, and then all of the people in her life were men white yeah. men. Yeah. yeah. So, and being, I think being mixed is probably a superpower. You can't tell me not to make Dublin murders. Right. 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 <laughs> and you also can't say don't make pariah. Right. <laughs> I can fit into both those yeah. worlds somehow and imagine myself and others into those worlds, maybe in a way that somebody else wouldn't be able to or at least not expected to be able to and therefore wouldn't have the opportunity yeah yeah well and i think about that even as you talk about having the you know the tiger bead and the the young teenage heart because for for me a lot of times i have this thing that that shuts me down and doesn't allow me to consume content that i can't see myself in and, and so it's like I have this block and and yet the creative mind, which I wish I had more of, could have read those books and I could have put Bruce Lee in the brooding character. You know what I mean? Like, but instead my mind was like, no, these are written for white people versus being able to read it and being able to plug in something that could feel more representative. But I. I admire that you are able to walk that line of both worlds and, and then also be respected for that, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So your new job, what's a day in your life like now? Uh, Zoom 10 to six. Wow. I can't, I can't make phone calls. I can Anytime I'm not on a Zoom and like we have a window between a Zoom, I'm on the phone with my assistant and we're trying to get through some phone calls because it's important to respond to the people that are incoming and have questions about their clients that, you know, we're working with or a pitch that we heard. So I'm 10 to 6, it's staff meetings. We have multiple staff meetings with all of the projects that are happening with right now and uh, with the staff so we have like like a senior staff okay. meetings and we're talking about what's happening during that okay. week what the pitches are what things are being bought where we're selling things strategy um you know we're talking with our production department we're talking with business affairs where are we with this deal where are we with that deal 
It's a lot. Yeah. And then I do one with our drama department where I just kind of right. get us all on the same page and make sure I have a good overview of what they're working on, any obstacles that they might need, you know, to help them overcome or what what might be an obstacle that's one of your people have that you're helping with? Can you Oh, there I mean it could be anything. <laughs> it could be like uh, uh, working with a, a producer who's challenging. Mm. COVID, you know? COVID. Um, how, how, I'm imagining that's could, a challenge right now. So there's a whole, de- like our production department is, that's their responsibility, yeah. right? So like making sure that we're staying on budget, that people have all the protocols right. and that's, that's what they are consumed mm. with. Mm. Yeah. And these COVID budgets, which have inflated the cost of, of shows and, it's a whole new way of doing business. It's a whole new way of making shows. Luckily, everybody has been safe on our shows, so that's good. But there's a backlog of projects, though, because we've only recently been able to go back into production. So now there's all these shows that haven't been made. And because the only thing that people could do during this time was write, we have more material than... Which is part of what is making everybody crazy because there's just so much material and people are stockpiling IP because it's the only thing people can do. Listen to podcasts, read books, (laughs) watch a foreign movie that you then want to turn into a series. It is bananas. So the IP market has exploded and then we had in the midst a social justice, we had an uprising, which completely changed things and again industry, because yeah, the industry responded they definitely responded and and, the, and so if people like you they're kind of because they're scrambling for the few black women brown women indigenous women who have experience yeah. in the industry right so they're like we gotta yes. get this person right now yes. so you're being grabbed into other yes. projects and yes are you taking projects now and rewriting or reimagining? Because that's what happened on the show, Social Distance, that I was on, Social Distancing. We started shooting, George Floyd was murdered, and then they took the whole entire project and interwove the... Right. I would say it was, it's, it's more moving forward. What type of content are we considering? And there's been a, an institutionalized focus at ABC, one of the networks that we sell to, about uh, inclusion standards and having to hit those standards in order to get a show on their air. Wow. Yes. That's yeah. amazing. Yes. That's great. So, so that's one of the things that changed. That show better be inclusive. <laughs> Let's and it's not just on the cast. It's not just the cast, w- which we all know, Great. right? It's not just the people on the screen. It's the people behind the screen. It's the directors. It's the writers. It's the producers. It's all of those um, key people, key hires, and key creative elements. Hey, this is Sister Brunch. I'm Anya Adams. We'll be right back after this quick musical break. are back to our conversation with senior VP and head of drama development for ABC Signature, Susan Lewis. 
now that they're in the best of ways, the, the push is to reach certain targets. Um, where are you finding the talent? And are you, are you coming up against people saying, we don't know where to find the talent? No. Right. Um, don't tell me that. <laughs> don't say that to me. Good. Good. <laughs> like, you can't say that to me because I'm like, mm, I have lists. Yes. Good. I have a lot Good. of lists. Good. Yes. <laughs> and and I have a lot of people out there in the industry that I can All call. the people right? that you've the made managers relationships and with. You develop relationships in the industry through working with people and you get to a point where there's literally not anything someone can say they need to hire and you don't know somebody to be able to point mm-hmm. to. Yeah, the, the, it's just such a bullshit response. Like, we're, we're like, trust, yes. not only do we, it's, and it's not even a list of people we don't know. It's a list of people we know and will mm-hmm. vouch for, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yes. And who, and if we don't know, we can get through to that person through this yeah. list. I happened to come into a studio at a time when, you know, after George Floyd, the BIPOC coalition at Signature formed and they yes. sent a letter to senior management. <gasps> yes. And they've instituted bi-weekly Zooms. Yes. <laughs> and More they've, Zooms. you know, here's the beauty. Money talks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a business. Yes. And what people are, I think, coming you know, aware of is demographics are on our yes. side, right? So <laughs> California is already a majority minority state. They know the population is changing. Yeah. And if you want to keep those people watching TV or and subscribing to, to your themselves. network, they have and to see And then the money will so flow it, in. And then the money will continue was flowing your point in, right? With or maybe even more. It's, that's that's the, right. That's it's, the thing is that I yeah. think that we, have, yeah. we are turning to the place where their need to maintain racism and sexism, they're realizing that it's not profitable. I mean, they should have realized it before. But they, it was so important to them to maintain it that they would, were willing to let the dollars go. Now they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> which, you know, I don't know which position is better in some ways because I'm kind of like, now they're literally like, I'm still going to be racist and sexist, but I'm also going to make money off of you all. <laughs> well, so. look at Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Yep. Rupert Murdoch has made money off of yep. black people yep. for decades. With, you know, the Fox network was started and all the shows were like black people. (laughs) And then that wasn't working and suddenly that wasn't what you'd see on the network. But hello, Empire. Yep. They're big. Like, that's his network. And that's the big show. (laughs) Because I don't think he he just wants the money. What what the good news is is that hopefully, and of course now we have examples of like Lil Wayne and other folks who can question this this theory, but like hopefully the more we rise, we're then in the positions of, the po- of power to do the hiring, right? So that we can say, mm-hmm. fine, you can make this money off of me right now because a LeBron James can create Spring Hill, can create, you know, Untitled, and then and then more and more the content will be ours and we'll profit from it. And it takes us back full circle to why it's so exciting that you do what you do. <laughs> like, it matters, Susan Lewis, that you are in the position that you're in. You are now part of history because you will influence what 
young little Susan Lewis's needed to have in her life and didn't get to have in her life, and you're now making that. It's freaking amazing. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Before we go, do you yes. want to shout out any mentors or collaborators that really were a highlight mm. for you along the way? Well, I have a North Star, Stephanie Elaine, who I just always look to and like, in my own way, it's like, what was Stephanie doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I, you know, look, she produced the Oscars. We I mean, should mention, so she, her first big one was Boys in the Hood, right? Yeah. And, and then she, you know, cut to, I remember being at a breakfast with her a few years ago when I was still working with Alicia and they were starting up the writer's room on Dear White People. Yes. And she was like, Susan, you have to get into TV. It's such a great space. Right. And I was like, hmm, okay, if Stephanie says that. Um, how can we, yeah. when we know that someone's in your position, how do we support you as kind of, a, you know, social media influencers or what, what can we do? This is an ongoing conversation. Yes. This isn't, this conversation that we're having isn't stopping. And that's good. That. That's I do necessary. want to say, I feel like as workers in the industry, like maybe folks that are listening support you, but for those of us in the industry, we need to continue to develop young talent in all the different departments of diverse persuasion yes. so that Susan can lift them yes. up. There's this seismic shift of the culture in Hollywood to want to diversify and they go to their one black friend and ask them give me like everyone instead of knowing people and and making sure people know that there are other jobs besides development there's production design there's being an editor there's being a line producer that's an incredibly influential position to have and uses the creative side of your brain as well as the other parts of it and we need to be in those spaces too. Awesome. Yeah. Susan Lewis, it's been so great to have you on. Thank you. Love hearing your story. Oh. And uh, again, we have to point out that there has not been one guest we've had that had immediate ties to someone in the industry. Like all of our guests are people who just knew that they wanted to tell stories, knew that they wanted to do something creative and ended up in these amazing positions to be able to do it and to be able to hire others to come along with them. So it's, it's just awesome. Thank you, Susan Lewis. Thank you. That was our conversation with Susan Lewis. Go to sisterbrunch.com to learn more about her work and where to follow her on social. And thank you so very much for listening to Sister Brunch with Anya Adams and me, Fanchon Cox. You can follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast and Twitter at Sister Brunch to catch up with us, find out what we're watching, support all of our amazing black women plus guests. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash sisterbrunchpodcast. Hey, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Christabel Nsiabwadi. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles and the Coast Salish for Anya in Vancouver. Tune in next time.